my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Everyone, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that is happening right now. The one that we're living through. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the intersection between politics and finance and technology as it's changing the world that we're living in. Now I'm with you each and every week trying to keep you up to date because this is moving so fast and it's so it's moving so fast and it's so important for you to understand. So important for you to understand because this will be the biggest opportunity of your life. You can either take advantage of or you can be left behind. And so I urge you, I welcome you, I ask you to tune in each and every week, um, put a reminder on your calendar for this date, this time, this channel to make sure you tune in with me, I try to bring you the education that you need so you can get the right perspective. I'd bring you the latest breaking news so you know what's going on. And then I bring you some interesting people to hear from each and every week. And, you know, this is changing. It's changing really fast. And, um, you know, an old system doesn't die without a fight. Um, there's something known as creative destruction. And that means that when something new is created, it destroys the old way, kind of like a forest fire. The forest fire, you kind of got to burn the underbrush so that the new growth can come. 
It's kind of like Kodak, the company that made film. If you're young, you may not know about Kodak, <laughs> but Kodak was a over a hundred year old company that made film for cameras. And we don't use film and cameras anymore. Uh, today, we have digital cameras. And so the digital camera destroyed Kodak, a film company, a hundred year old film company. And so that's what creative destruction is. Now, typically what happens is those incumbents, those, those companies that are in place or that, that system that's in place doesn't want to go away, especially in today's day and age. We're not in a capitalist society. We're in a crony society. And so what we have is these big companies use the government to make laws to protect themselves and protect themselves from new companies out innovating them. It's not not a good situation to be in, uh, but these old systems, they don't want to die hard. And so we have this monopoly on money and stores, stores of value and medium of exchange that the governments have. And uh, we have technology and technology is changing things. And it just is what it is. It's not a, it's not poli- it's not about politics. It just is what it is. So, for example. Um, if I used to want to listen to Beethoven 100 years ago, I'd have to get a whatever, a 30 or 50 person orchestra. Right. That's just what it that's what I have to do. And then eventually we had records and then we had CDs. And now I have uh, every music in the world is just available to be streamed on my phone. That wasn't about politics. That was just technology. I used to have to go to a library. I used to have to go to all kinds of libraries. They're the biggest libraries in the world to find certain books. And today they're just all on my phone. I used to have, uh, have had walls and walls and walls of like photo albums. And now today they're just all on my computer. And we used to have piles and piles of gold and stacks and stacks of cash. And now it's just digital. It's not, it's not politics. It's just, it's, just tech, it's just technology. It's creative. It's creative destruction, but it doesn't go down without a fight. And so it's pretty interesting. And, and we're seeing how, how it's working with these nation states wanting to um, fight this. Um, China is uh, one, of the, one of the first nations to really jump onto these digital currencies. Of course, they rolled out their own central bank digital currency. Um, they've been testing it for about a year and a half, uh, but they had a full-scale rollout at the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics that's been going on. It's been pretty interesting to watch what's going on there. And they report that digital yuan transactions beat out visa transactions at the Winter Olympics, which is pretty big. They've already got more people using them than that. It says replacing cash with digital yuan for payment can effectively reduce direct contact between people and the risk of spread of COVID-19, end quote. So they're really pushing this like, hey, we shouldn't be having the Olympics. It's dangerous. We're in a pandemic and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, cash is dirty. So why don't we use central bank digital currencies? And it worked out pretty good. And we can see, like I said, that it is, um, it's, 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 it's outpacing Visa at this point. So China has completely embraced it. Um, we were talking about in an earlier segment how in Canada, they're trying to um, really censor it. Uh, specifically, if you give any cryptocurrencies to what they consider dissident groups, um, which used to be okay, it's not anymore. Um, and in the United States, we're starting to see the same thing. So uh, we saw a few weeks ago, um, the Biden administration um, came out with, um, they said that they are going to have an executive order to regulate cryptocurrency. So it was like an announcement of announcement. They didn't tell us what the executive order was or what they were going to do with it. They just told us that they were going to have one and it was going to do something. And then at the same time, we saw the Treasury and Janet Yellen come out and say that they had an unlimited budget to go regulate cryptocurrencies. Again, we don't know what that means. But as we're watching this, we're seeing a lot of other things happening. So for example, we saw this week, uh, U.S. Congressman Warren Davidson introduced 
a bill called, quote, Keep Your Coins Act. So U.S. Congressman Warren Davidson, he's a Republican from Ohio, introduced legislation entitled the Keep Your Coins Act um, in the wake of mounting concerns over crackdowns on civil liberties in Canada as private companies and the Canadian government leverage control of the legacy financial system. Hmm. So we have a congressman, Warren Davidson. I applaud you. Um, and he says that uh, the Keep the Coins Act, because of the concerns on the crackdown on civil liberties. And so what some people are afraid of is that um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are revolutionary for lots of reasons. One of the reasons is because I can custody my own coins. That means I can control them. And if I can control them, um, the bank can't just seize them. Right. So in, in Canada, um, more, um, Trudeau said that any truckers that are there in the protest, they're going to seize their bank accounts and they can do that. With the push of a button, they just take the money in your account. It's not yours anymore. Um, but if I have my money on my own, if I had the cash in my mattress, they couldn't just take my cash, right? And if I have my cryptocurrencies, they couldn't take that either. And so one of the choke points, one of the weak points is that they think the government could say, you can't, uh, you're not allowed to custody your own coins anymore, which seems completely ridiculous, doesn't it? It seems like a, a North Korea authoritarian um, edict. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm not legally able to, store my own wealth? Like what? Like I have to leave it in a bank so you can seize it whenever you want. That doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> and that's why it seems like they're doing their own, doing Bitcoin's marketing for them. But it says if passed, this bill would prevent any agency head from prohibiting or otherwise restricting the ability of a covered user to use virtual currency or its equivalent for such users own purposes, such as to purchase real or virtual goods or services and users own use. Um, or conduct transactions through a self-hosted wallet. Um, so he says, uh, Davidson says, or yeah, Davidson says, we started working on the text after it was obvious that Secretary Yellen, Janet Yellen, the U.S. Treasury, would resurrect the effort to restrict self-custody. If they can't stop crypto, they want to try to move it to an account-based system. That's what Davidson says. So what he's saying is that if they can't stop it, which of course they can't, what they want to do is say, well, you're not allowed to hold it on your own. We have, you have to allow us to hold it for you. Of course, the problem with that is uh, what we saw when gold used to be money. Up until 1933, gold was big and heavy and hard to move around. So I just put it in the bank and the bank gave me a gold certificate, um, which was an IOU for the gold. Um, and then in 1933, they enacted something called a bank holiday. The bank shut down for a week. When they opened the banks back up, you weren't allowed to get your gold out anymore. And the reason why is because they printed way more paper gold certificates than they had gold in the bank. And so if they held your crypto and used an account-based system, how do we know that they're not just creating a bunch more crypto? Of course we don't, which is the exact problem we're trying to solve. Um, he went on to say, we shouldn't use money as a way of controlling people. Of course, if there's criminal activity, you should go after that, which I agree, right? If there's criminal activity, then, then go after the criminal. But imagine if the same things were done to a crowdfunded BLM movement, that wouldn't be okay. It's not okay with the Freedom Convoy either, end quote. And so we shouldn't use money to control people. Control people with laws. <laughs> if they do something illegal, punish them for that, but don't control them with the money. That's their own property. I'll be back with more in a second. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology together, which of course is Bitcoin leading this decentralized revolution. And I'm bringing you the latest breaking news of the week right now. We were just talking about... Um, 
U.S. Congressman Warren Davidson introducing a bill to Keep Your Coins Act, which is basically making a law where you're um, allowed to control your own cryptocurrency in your own wallet, and they can't pass a law to take that away from you, which is um, kind of ridiculous in a way. Um, we have to pass a law to prevent more laws. <laughs> Oh man, it's like uh, they pass a law. They don't ever repeal a law. They just pass another law to you know contradict the first law. I mean, it's all ridiculous. I mean, I thought we lived in the land of the free, um, but we have to pass a law to allow us to have our own property. Either way, um, I guess if that's where we're at, that's where we're at. And uh, I think it's pretty cool that he is doing that. So uh, hat tip to uh, Congressman Warren Davidson. But what I was talking about in uh, in the bigger picture of things is that in times when we have these technology shifts, this uh, creative destruction, as I was calling it, um, you know, the incumbent system doesn't want to give it up, right? They want to fight it. And so we've seen this, obviously, like Uber is a good example of that. So as Uber was changing the taxi system and rideshare system, the taxi industries themselves were fighting against Uber, and they were going to the cities, and they were trying to pass laws to prevent Uber from coming in. Or Airbnb, same thing. So you had the big hotel companies were going and trying to create laws and regulations in cities to prevent, you know, Airbnbs and things like that. And so um, that's just what happens. And that, and that's exactly what's happening here. And so as this incumbent financial system, which of course is much bigger than the taxi industry or the uh, hotel industry, we're talking about the governments that control money. And of course, they're, want to, they're going to want to control that. Um, and so that's why, as we talked about before the break, you know, the Biden admin said they're going to create an executive order to regulate it. And we saw Janet Yellen's treasury is going to have an unlimited budget to fight that. But what's interesting is as the federal government is continuing to try to um, get more power to keep their positions, and of course, the money is federally, so of course, the federal government's doing that, we're seeing the states starting to push back against that. And so that's why, you know, Rep. Uh, Warren Davidson from Ohio um, introduced that bill. Uh, we also saw this week, we saw in Colorado, Colorado governor says he expects state to accept tax payments in cryptocurrencies by the summer. Jared Paulus, who's the governor of Colorado, announced that the state government plans to allow residents to pay taxes in cryptocurrencies as early as summer 2022. Um, in it was uh, in a CNBC interview. He said that crypto holders in Colorado could have the option of sending tax payments in digital currencies. And quoting him, he said, we expect by the summer, pretty soon, to accept crypto for all our state tax-related purposes. Then we plan to roll that out across all of state governments for things like um, driver's license or hunting license within a few months after that, end quote. Um, so while we have the federal government trying to crack down on it, the federal government said they want to regulate it. Um, we have states like Davidson in Ohio, like Jared Paulus, the governor of Colorado, saying, no, 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 no. No, you're not going to regulate it. As a matter of fact, we're going to make it um, legal. We're going to um, open it up for everything. You can pay all your fees on it. You can pay for your driver's license, your hunting license with it. And, you know, in the United States specifically, the United States uh, – I was talking about an earlier segment. Um, in a democracy, we should hear the voice of the people – the United States is not a democracy. The United States is a republic. Now, uh, the, and what that means, we have a representative government. And what that means is that the states have states' rights. And so the states are able to do these things, um, or they should be able to, and we'll see how that plays off. Um, now, you know, Paulus, the governor of Colorado, he's been kind of working on this for a while. Back in 2019, he signed the Colorado Digital Token Act, 
put that into law. And basically he aimed to exempt tokens um, with a primarily consumptive purpose is what it means. And he's trying to, re- he's trying to um, remove them from security regulations because these regulations that are very ambiguous and nobody knows what these security regulations are that the SEC's maybe going to do one day, all this ambiguity has led to uh, kind of a stall in in this new technology. And so um, states like Colorado have kind of moved to put legislation into place to kind of exempt tokens and things like that so they can continue to have that. So um, he's been pretty pro-cryptocurrency, which is pretty interesting, but he's not the only one. Uh, we can see here um, in a post from Yahoo Finance, we saw um, in Arizona... Bill SB 1341 was introduced by State Senator Wendy Rogers, um, seeks to amend the list of accepted legal tender to include Bitcoin, which means the cryptocurrency would be accepted for the payment of debt, public charges, taxes, and other dues. So again, another state is saying, hey, uh, federal government, you can say what you want, but we're going to do something different. As a matter of fact, we're going to make it legal tender to pay your public debt. Now, what's interesting is a lot of people would, uh, have typically said, yeah, Bitcoin's never going to work because, um, you know, you still have to pay taxes in dollars. But what about when the states allow you to start paying your taxes in cryptocurrencies? And that's exactly what's happening. Now, just so you know, it's, it's not into law yet. It's a bill, SB 1341. The bill still has to pass the Arizona State Senate and the House before it gets to the governor um, who could sign it into law. Now, we don't know how it's going to work through those areas. It's not the point. The point is, it's very interesting to see this happen. And we can see that this transition that we're in, this decentralized revolution is in place. And then they're not the only ones. Um, in Texas, there's a strong race for governor. Governor Abbott has been there. He's the incumbent. Um, but apparently there's a few other um candidates for governor in Texas that are gaining some momentum. And one of them is conservative um, candidate for governor Texas of Texas, Don Huffings. And he released his plan to make Texas the leading state in America for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. He said, uh, quote, as a leader in innovation, Texas must lead the nation on Bitcoin policy and cryptocurrency adoption. I am committed to making Texas the citadel for Bitcoin and protecting the industry from the federal government, end quote. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me read that last part again for you. He said, uh, Texas Citadel for Bitcoin and protecting the industry from the federal government, end quote. That's his words. It's pretty amazing that a politician is having to protect an industry from the federal government. Who is the federal government to be shutting down industries in the land of the free? Who are they to say what you can and can't do? Now, I know, I know uh, through the pandemic, it set this precedent where uh, they could tell you your business is non-essential and you must shut your business down. Well, <laughs> it might have been non-essential to you, but if you were trying to feed your family with it, it was pretty dang essential. So he says he has to protect the industry from the federal government. That's a problem. That is a big, big problem, in my opinion. The federal government is there to protect private property rights. That's what the role of the federal government is. My business is my private property. They should be protecting it. But now this politician says he has to protect industry from the federal government. But that's exactly what's happening. 
It's a race that's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. By the way, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that's happening right now before our very eyes. We're talking about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. We're talking about Bitcoin and how things are changing rapidly. And of course, how you can stay involved and up to date on what's going on. Um, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. If you haven't already, bookmark this time and pay, place to be with me each and every week. I'll be back with more in a second. Don't go away. My dad works in B2B marketing. But I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the decentralized revolution that we're living through. We're all living through it. And uh, if you, <laughs> unless you've been asleep or in a coma, you've probably realized that it's happening because it's all over the place. It's in your face. Um, it's in the news, the, the, the trucker situation in Canada. You know, we have states trying to change the laws about it. And uh, more in your face, probably the biggest stage maybe, I don't know, in the world, at least in the United States, was the Super Bowl. 
and it really dominated what was going on in the Super Bowl. <clears throat> it kind of became the crypto bowl, if you will. I say crypto bowl because um, if you're old enough to remember, then you might remember when it was the dot-com bowl back in the year 2000, when it was all dot-coms that were spending money um, at that time. If you remember in about 2005, it was mortgage companies spending money. And now here we are in 2022 at the Super Bowl, and it was crypto companies that were spending all the money. So uh, if you watched that at all, and even if you didn't watch it, you probably heard about it because I think uh, probably even bigger than the game, people love, 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 love the, the commercials. The halftime show was pretty good too, in my opinion, uh, but that's probably because I'm from Southern California and <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when that was a thing. Uh, my kids think it was kind of funny, but uh, I thought it was pretty good. But but anyway, back to cryptocurrency and this decentralized revolution, um, there's something known as this, the, the Super Bowl indicator. And uh, it's not it's not all good, to be honest with you. It's not all good. So we can see uh, Crypto.com, FTX Trading, and Coinbase were some of the biggest cryptocurrency exchange companies who were buying ads during the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, they, re they reportedly shelled out as much as $6.5 million dollars for 30 seconds. Man, that's a lot of money. Now, to put that into perspective, uh, $6.5 million for 30 seconds in 2022, that was uh, in the year 2000, it was two and a half, uh, no, I'm sorry, 2.2 .2 million per slot. So that's inflation. That's inflation for you. Now, remember, inflation isn't the prices of things going up. Inflation isn't that things are becoming more valuable. Inflation is that your dollar is worth less. And so it takes more dollars to buy those things today. So it used to take $2.2 million to buy the spot. Now it takes, because the dollars have lost so much value, now it takes $6.5 million for the same 30 second spot, which is pretty interesting. A lot of inflation since, uh, I guess that's 22 years. So if you would have had, uh, if you would have had $2.2 million for a 30 second slot back then, and you would have put that money in the bank today, it would have bought you about 10 seconds. So it bought you 30 seconds back then today. It buys you about 10 seconds to put that into perspective. Um, of course, that means if you were buying, uh, if you had put the money for a house in the bank and you were trying to buy a house today, it'd buy you about uh, a third of the house. If you're trying to buy a basket of groceries, it buys you about a third of those basket of groceries. That's what happens when they inflate your money away. But back to the back to the Super Bowl, the crypto bowl. Um, unfortunately, despite millions of dollars that was spent on ads, the price of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies didn't take off quite what most people were expecting, or I should say maybe hoping for. Um, a lot of people might have gone out and bought some of those Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies after that day, hoping that it would take off. But um, I guess it did a little bit. Um, at about the time of the airing, Bitcoin was about $42,000. It's about $44,000 today. So it's up about $2,000. Uh, I guess that's not too bad. Um, if, if, if you look at it, it's up a little bit, got a little bit of a bump. Now, I don't know if it's because of that or if it's because of uh, all the governments of the world doing marketing for uh, cryptocurrencies. We see, uh, like I said, crypto.com was one of the other big ones. And they have their own token called CRO. And that's pretty much flat, hasn't really done much. Um, Ethereum's up um, a little bit. I think at the time of the airing, it was at about you know, 2,900 today, it's about 31.5. So, you know, got a little bit of a bump, um, you know, not as much as maybe people would have thought. But back to, like I said, um, in the year 2000, it was the dot-com Super Bowl. 
And what's interesting is at the time it was also the Saint. It was the St. Louis Rams that were in the Super Bowl versus the Tennessee Titans. Uh, so we still had the Rams in the Super Bowl, but back in Los Angeles this time. And at the time, there was 14 ads in the Super Bowl for dot-com companies. They bought up 20% of the ads um, for that spot. But the thing is, is that after the 2000 game, after the 2000 Super Bowl ended, all the publicly held companies who advertised saw their stocks start to fall as the dot-com bubble began to basically burst. Um, And today, here we are 22 years later, only four of the 14 companies that advertised are still operating. Five other companies were bought out and the rest, I mean, they're just gone like pets.com, right? Uh, they, they're the, they're the uh, stereotypical dot-com bust company. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting to look at. Uh, they're pretty much all gone. As I said, four of the 14 companies are still around. Um, and with that in mind, we can kind of look at the crypto bowl, <clears throat> which uh, this one is kind of dubbed the crypto bowl because it was dominated by crypto advertisers. As a matter of fact, 40% of this year's advertisers uh, were new companies, um, you know, crypto companies. And uh, most of this year's crypto ads revolves around the idea of don't miss out. So they're really trying to hit people with this FOMO fear of missing out, which I don't like. Um, I don't think that anybody should ever buy an asset based off of that. Don't ever buy anything based off of fear. Um, Think about it from a sound, rational mind, make your plan and move from there. But they really were trying to get people on that, this don't missing out um, campaign. There was a couple good ones in there. Um, But unfortunately, it's not a super good history of that. Um, In LA, uh, and and also we saw crypto.com and I think crypto.com took over the Staples Center in Los Angeles. And I think FTX took over the one in Miami. And that's not even, that's not a super good sign either. So the um, crypto.com is taking over the Staples Center, which of course, what happened to Staples? (laughs) Didn't work out too well for that. Uh, So, you know, naming um, stadiums isn't the best sign either. Coinbase was the one that maybe was the most talked about and they basically just put this little QR code on the screen and it was just bouncing around. And it was like, hey, everyone, you know, grab your phone and uh, scan this QR code, which then take you to the Coinbase website. Now, it worked really, really good, maybe, or it worked really, really bad. Um, and what do I mean by that? Well, it worked maybe so good that it crashed the website and Coinbase's website went down. You would think that they would have planned ahead. They're going to spend all that money on the ad. You would think they would have prepared their website to, to handle that traffic. Um And it's also a reminder. It's a reminder because as I've said many times, one of the key attributes of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is that I can custody it myself. I can hold my own coins. The oldest problem that mankind has had is how do I secure my wealth in a way it doesn't get stolen? And if you leave your money in the bank, the bank can seize it, like uh, Justin Trudeau ordered the banks to seize all the truckers, protesters' money. Um, And if I leave my crypto on an exchange like Coinbase, they could also freeze my account or seize my account. And so um, the Coinbase exchange crashed. And if you had money on there and you wanted to get it off, you couldn't. And so let that be a reminder that um, you are using, you're hoping, you're trusting somebody like Coinbase to protect your cryptocurrency. And hopefully you'll be able to get that cryptocurrency off when you want it. You would think that when they spent all that money, they would have made sure their website didn't crash, but it did. And so then I would just ask you, uh, you should ask yourself, do you really want to trust anybody 
even Coinbase, withholding your currency, cryptocurrency. They couldn't even keep their website up when they knew they were going to get that business. And do you really want to trust them to get your money off when you need it? Um, I don't. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't recommend that. I would uh, recommend to get that off. Now, um, and like I said, it's maybe not a good sign of what is going on. Some other things that I, I see going on is that, uh, you know, a lot of there's a there's a lot of talking heads coming out and talking about a cryptocurrency, some good, some bad. Um, some people are excited about it. And some people sound like boomers that just don't understand what's going on, including maybe one of the big, biggest and most famous investors in the world. I'm going to come back. I want to talk about that and uh, more. You're listening to The Mark Ma Show, talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, the intersection of politics, finance, and technology that is changing the world as we speak. I got a lot more in just a second when I come back, so don't go away. Hey everyone, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that is happening right now. And before the break, we were talking about the Super Bowl. We were talking about the, the Crypto Bowl. And we're calling it the Crypto Bowl because it was dominated by cryptocurrency advertising. Um, and I was comparing it to in 2000, which also saw the Rams, not the Los Angeles Rams. It was the St. Louis Rams were also in the Super Bowl. But back in 2000, it was dominated by dot-com companies. Now, um, the fate, the future of those dot-com companies wasn't too good. As a matter of fact, they're mostly all out of business right now. And time will tell where um, we end up with these crypto companies. Now, most of them were from exchanges. So we saw Coinbase, we saw FTX, we saw Crypto.com, we saw eToro, and they're all out there. I saw I saw a news headline. I don't have it pulled up, um, but it was uh, I don't know. Some regulators of the United States were saying that they they thought it was bad and that um, they shouldn't be advertising. And if it's cryptocurrency, if it's going to be currency, then no one should be advertising currency. The dollar doesn't need advertising to, to be used, etc. It's pretty ridiculous. Bitcoin. There was no there was no ad for Bitcoin. It was an exchange, Coinbase, FTX, Crypto.com, eToro. Um, and you have seen plenty of stock brokerage accounts being advertised, right? You've seen, I'm sure, E-Trade or, um, you know, Charles Schwab or whatever, or Robinhood. I don't know which ones have advertised, but I know for sure you've seen those over the years. Um, and so for, 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 that, for that U.S. regulator to even say that, um, one, it's completely outrageous and ridiculous, but, but but more importantly, it shows just how out of touch they are, how little they know, or how much they're just trying to gaslight you. Gaslight you being basically trying to lie directly to your face. Um, I would, uh, I typically lean more to the side of ignorance than uh, evil. Um, and so my guess is that they that's just how ignorant they are. I mean, if you think about it, Cryptocurrency is a brand new technology. I've been studying it for seven years. I'm still trying to figure it out. You're tuning in with me each and every week so I can help explain it to you. And uh, it's that new. And of course, any new technology, the older generation has a harder time grasping it. Um, not because they can't learn. Uh, a lot of times, typically because they're not not interested. Um, and of course, younger generations pick it up much quicker. And so, you know, when you think about it in those terms, it's kind of scary to think what the age of our politicians are in the, in the democratic party. I think it's like an, an average age of like 
don't quote me, I don't have it looked up. It's like 77 years old or something like that. I mean, you got Pelosi, you got Biden. I mean, they're all almost 80 years old or Pelosi's, I believe, over 80 years old. And these are the ones that are making laws and regulations on brand new cutting edge technology that has the potential to change the world and they don't even get it and they're making laws against it. That's a problem. It's a big problem in my opinion. And so to see a regulator come out and say that about cryptocurrency and say, oh, it's supposed to be a currency. They shouldn't even be advertising it. But like, no, these were exchanges and we typically have brokerages um, advertise. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I saw someone else come out and said uh, in some other financial newsletter that I was reading a publication, they said, um, if, you know, don't rush out and buy cryptocurrency if you don't understand it. And he said, um, if I can't understand an asset, I can't value it. If I can't value it, I have no business investing in it. And that's kind of true. He said, I, I, I hold on to my money and only invest in things I understand. And that's a great point. But let me, let me kind of unpack that a little bit. So first off, um, yes, you should only invest into things that you understand, 100%. Um, I hate to break it to you, but the reality is, is that investing is actually supposed to be boring. It's supposed to be boring. I know today everybody wants to gamble. They want to get their Robinhood account. They want to quit their job and trade cryptocurrencies. But investing should be boring. You should be making a couple moves and waiting a long time. Um, the other thing is that we all need to have an edge. What does that mean, an edge? Well, for me, I've been doing real estate investing for almost 30 years. Um, I know a lot about real estate investing because I've done it a lot. And I have an edge there over most people. Um, I've been studying and teaching on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies for over seven years. I've personally researched and published over 1,000 pages of research on cryptocurrency projects. I've spoken around the country with the highest level people. So I have an edge there. I know a lot about that. Um, if you're asking yourself while you're listening to this what your edge is, then you don't have one. <laughs> I hate to tell you like that, but if you don't know what your edge is, then you don't have one. And so we all need to find an edge. If you think you're going to trade stocks and compete against the hedge funds and the high frequency traders without an edge, it's not going to work. And so to, to this, this uh, financial analysis point, I hold on to my money and I only invest in things I understand. Yeah, you should. You should only invest in things that you understand. So you don't see me trying to trade um, stocks, tr trying to compete against uh, these uh, high frequency traders. Um, so you should try to understand it. But what he says is that if I, if I can't understand an asset, I can't value it. If I can't value it, I have no business invested in it. And, that, and that's also true. Um, the one thing that I just want to break out is that is the valuation of it. And so um, typically, I think, I think where these traditional legacy financial analysts get it wrong is that they say, well, a typical company, you know, like a Warren Buffett might say, um, has cash flows. And what I do is I take the cash flow and then I get a, a price to earnings ratio. So I look at like what their profitability is. Um, and then I divide it by the amount of stock they have. And I get this ratio and uh, I'm, I'm basically buying cash flow. So this company, you know, um, they're a chocolate company or let's say Coca-Cola, they make, they make soda and uh, they make this much cash flow. And I can value the company because I can see how much profit they have. But cryptocurrencies don't have any revenues or any profit. How can I value a company with no revenue or profit? Well, the one thing that, so, so it is, it is speculative. But the thing I'd say about that is that even using traditional um, metrics is, is speculative as well. Because let's say that I have Coca-Cola and it's, it's making these profits. Uh, and then I give it a multiple. Is it six times profits? Is it? 
20 times profits? Is it 50 times profits? Where does that multiple come from? Oh, that's right, it's speculative. <laughs> so it's still speculative either way. Uh, but to to this point, um, I do wanna just kind of help you out a little bit. When you're looking at um, new cryptocurrency assets, something like Bitcoin, um, there is no product, there is no sales, there is no revenue, there is no um, profits, obviously. And so the way that I look at it is more the way I'd look at like a venture uh, investment. So if I was going to invest into Uber in the early days before they were a company, how would I know how much Uber would be worth? Well, they're going to take on the taxi industry, the limo industry, the van share ride industry. Each of those industries, this is a $100 million industry, it's a billion dollar industry, et cetera. You add them up. And if I could get 5% of those industries, I'd be worth X. And so I would also look at the same with Bitcoin. So um, JP Morgan Citibank said it's going to overtake gold. Well, that's 13 trillion. Okay. So it's a 13 X. Um, there's 30 to 40 trillion sitting in offshore bank accounts. So there's another, you know, um, let's say we got 10% of that. That's three or 4 trillion that we can add in. Um, there's, uh, half of all the bonds, sovereign bonds in the world are negative yielding. That means they're losing money. There's another, you know, almost 20 trillion that can come in right there. Um, and so all of a sudden you go, well, if I take five or 10% from that, five or 10%, that, five or 10% of that, um, Bitcoin could be worth 200 trillion. That's a 200x upside. And so you would, you would approach it like that. And so to his point, um, if you can't, if you can't um, understand it, you can't value it. And hopefully I'm here to help you understand it each and every week so you can start to value it. There's a lot of money that's in the stock market, a lot of money that's in the real estate market, uh, in the bond market, because you don't know where else to put that money. But as more and more people wake up and say, uh, actually, Bitcoin's a better place than to be in the bond market that's losing money or in the stock market that's, that's volatile, et cetera. Uh, we'll see more and more of that money coming in. And that's how, um, I think, I think that's how you value it. That's how, that's how I look at it anyway. You're listening to the Mark Moss Show, talking about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, bringing you the latest breaking news each and every week to keep you up to date. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.